week four of Sola. And I don't know about you, but it has been uh, challenging. It has really uh, challenged me to really deepen, deepen. I know, I know that's like Christian words we use a lot, like deepen my faith, but it has, it really has given me more of a solid foundation in who Christ is and what God has done for us. And I don't know about you, but that's where I've been. So hopefully this has been a benefit to you. Hopefully that God has been challenging you in your life uh, with, the, with these words that we've been given in scripture that salvation comes through grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone, according to scripture alone for the glory of God alone. And so last Sunday, we, we talked about uh, Christ alone. And we said that Jesus is God, yet he was distinct as his son. You know, that's still for me. I don't know about you. But also Jesus had a mission in this world that included salvation from sin. So it's Christ alone. We said that Christianity is not a Jesus plus religion. It is Christ alone that brings about salvation We've said all throughout our series in Titus 2.1, it says, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. And so what we need to be as a church is we want to be a church that teaches right biblical teaching. And so anything outside of that, you know, you may need to be pulling me aside and having a chat with me, but we want what scripture says is what we want to go by because it's what God says. And that's what we're going to look at here with sola scriptura. It's simply meaning Scripture alone. Matthew Barnett, the author of God's Word Alone, says this, God's purpose in his oral and written communication was to enter into and maintain his covenantal relationship with his chosen people. If you remember last week, we said God is a covenant God, and that's who he is. And the, and the Bible is simply God's words of redemptive history. When I first heard that, when I was taking Old Testament survey and, and the, the professor said that the Bible is a history book. I'm going, wait a minute. No, it's not, man. You, something's wrong here. But it is. It's redemptive history. From Genesis to Revelation is a picture for us of redemptive history. The Bible was written over 1,500 years. It had over 40 authors, three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. It uh, has two covenants or two testaments, the old and the new. And it has... 66 books within its book, 37 Old Testament books, 29 New Testament books with nine sections that are all throughout that, five sections in the Old Testament, four sections in the New Testament. And that's important for us to know because there is history. There's also history within Scripture of how Scripture came together, when, when, when people came together at the Council of Nicaea and said, this is what is going to be canon. This is what we can agree on, that what Scripture is, and so forth, and going on and on and on. And so that's important for us to understand as well outside of redemptive history. But I wanted to share with you, when it comes to sola scriptura, four things that we need to remember about God's Word. The first about God's Word is that it's inspired. God's word is inspired. God's very inspiration of scripture is through his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit motivated writers to write what they wrote. And that's exciting. Why? Because the authority of scripture is founded in the inspiration and authority of God. So God's inspiration is his authority. What he said is what he wanted known to humankind. And so that's important for us because God's word is the final word. And so when you hear me say, or you heard it said before, what does the Bible say? 
That's why it's important, because it was God-inspired through God's authority. The Westminster Confession of Faith says, the authority of Scripture, excuse me, the authority of Holy Scripture dependeth, so you can see how old this was written, dependeth not upon the testimony of any man or church, but wholly upon God, who is truth itself, the author thereof, and therefore is to be received because it is the word of God. So that's important. God's word was inspired by God through the authority of God. So that is the first thing that we need to know about God's word. The second thing we need to know about God's word is that it is without error. It is without error, or another word is infallible. God's word is without error. Because it is inspired by God and comes from God's authority, it's infallible. It is without error. The Bible is without fault from cover to cover. Now, you may go, well, I've heard that people say there's contradictions and things and so on and so forth, but we're going to get to that in just a moment. But the Bible is without fault. People are fallible. I'm fallible, you're fallible, but God's word is not. So we see that God's, God's word, uh, sola scriptura, is without error. It is inspired and the third is that it's clear. God's word is clear. Again, it may be confusing to you at times, but what we can understand is that God is not a God of confusion. I'm reading through a portion of the Old Testament that it's, it's all genealogies. And I'm like, I can't pronounce half the names. Well, three quarters of the names. But yet it brings about a clarity about my spiritual history. The story of God. See, reading the Bible is faith seeking understanding. It's faith seeking understanding. In other words, we talked about this throughout our solo series. God's grace gave us the faith to believe. And we said that by faith, it's believing then doing, if you remember that. And so what, what we're saying here when it comes to the word of God is now that I have faith in you, God, now that you've opened up the eyes of my heart, now that you've made me alive again in Christ, now I want to understand the very things that you're telling me through faith. And so that's important for us to understand. And that's how our faith grows. And as our faith grows, as we seek understanding, our understanding becomes greater, not out of for ignorance sake, because truth without wisdom, we're foolish. Are you with me? Because we can have it all together. But when the moment we open our mouths, we look silly to those around us. So it's faith seeking understanding and understanding grows our faith and then grows our faith to what? Love God. And the more we love God, the more we'll obey him. And so that's why it's important to understand that scripture is clear. There may be stories in there that you go, oh, that is so insane. But yet it's the story of redemptive history. If there wasn't a woman by the name of Ruth who didn't stay with another woman named Naomi and didn't get connected to Boaz as her kinsman redeemer, she wouldn't have been in the genealogy of the Christ who came in the gospel of Matthew. Are you see how it comes together? It is clear. There may be things that you and I don't understand, but our faith says, I want to understand. I just don't want to say, well, because for me, I used to skip through those genealogies. I'm going to read through the Bible, but probably about 70% of it. <laughs> Are you with me? But it is clear. So it's inspired, it's without error, and it's clear. Listen, we went through relevant discipleship several months ago, and we did the ransom Bible study method. If you need that, I can get that to you again. And it gives you that way of how to study God's word. So not only is it inspired, not only is it without error, not only is it clear, but finally it's enough. 
It's all sufficient. God's word is necessary for salvation and for living. That's where it's at. There, Listen, there are what's called extra biblical writings that do exist, but it is God's word that was inspired by him. There's not a hint of error and it is crystal clear. So we can know that it's enough. Why is then scripture alone so important? Because we can look at it and say, well, the Bible is just a bunch of pages with printed ink on it. And it's bound by, and it bounds together to become a book. But the one thing that changed my mind and my heart and the way that I saw scripture was years ago is that it finally came to the point that it was like, these are my very words to you. It's so much more than a number one bestseller. It's so much than black ink on white paper. It's so much more than fancy leather bound or whatever, you know, or you can get it on, you know, on your tablets or your devices. It's God's very words to his people. And because of that, that's why it's enough. There was a study done recently by the American Bible Society. They surveyed churchgoers. I'm not saying they were believers in Christ. I'm saying churchgoers. They interviewed and surveyed churchgoers in Philadelphia when it came to reading the Bible. 29% of them said that they read it several times a week. 17% says they read it once a month. 58% says they read it one month, once a month or less. So what's less than once? Okay, so, so in this same survey, the question was asked, what are the barriers to you reading the Bible? 24% said they don't have time. 14% they don't know where to start. 13% said they find the language difficult. And 11% said they can't find what they're looking for. And to me, that sounds like it's what can... I get out of this. This is about me. No, it's about God and what he wants to say to you and I. B.B. Warfield said, the trustworthiness of the scriptures lies at the foundation of truth and the Christian system of doctrine and therefore fundamental to Christian hope and life. In that same survey, seven out of 10 people who are churchgoers in Philadelphia said that they wish they read the Bible more. But it's scripture alone, God's very words to us. And yet we oftentimes find reasons not to hear what he has to say to us. Why is God not speaking to me? Well, when's the last time you spent time with him? I can't remember, once a month or less. And yet we expect the same movement of God in our lives, but not putting in the sweat equity to know what he has to say to us. And so... Sola Scriptura is important, like all the other solas. But what I want to do is I want to look at a text here today in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And our message is simply titled, Follow the Model. Follow the Model. Have you ever had to assemble anything? Yeah. And you ever notice how when you, when you pull out the instructions for the assembly, they make it so easy until you have to do it. Have you ever had computer issues and you call? Oh, this is, a, this is easy. We can fix this right away. You ever have that? And then 48 minutes later, you're still on the phone with them? Why do I say 48? I just had to deal with something. I'm just saying, call the <laughs> call center. And I said, we've been on the phone 48 minutes, man. I just need to cancel one thing. 
Do you see what I'm saying? But they make it so easy. This is going to be a breeze, no problem. And you look at the pictures and you're looking at your thing and it's almost like a Pinterest fail every single time when we go to assemble something. I remember several years ago, I had uh, purchased a barbecue and this was the first time that I assembled a barbecue. Got about three quarters of the way through. A friend of mine was with me. He was helping me do it. I said, we don't need that anymore. I can finish this out. And I put it in backwards. Because we got to the last piece and the last piece didn't fit because I put everything in backwards. So four hours later, the barbecue was finally done. So a total of six hours on a Saturday to put a two-hour job together. Why? Because I didn't follow the model. I didn't follow the instructions that were given to me. I got it. Have we done that with scripture? Hey, I got this figured out. You take this part of my life, God, and I'll figure this part out. I, I know how to do this. You've given me the instructions. I have the assembly sheets, but yet we do so. So what I want to do is I want to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you're following along in the Bibles in the chairs, that's page 1098. But in 2 Timothy chapter 3, just to give you a bit of a setup, is, is the writer, the Apostle Paul has a protege, a mentee, a disciple by the name of Timothy, and he is writing to him, And Timothy is a young man in the faith, and he's a young leader within the church there in Ephesus at the time. Now, before we get to the scripture, because we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 17, I wanted for us to look at verses 1 through 5 first to give us the setup to bring us to where we're going to look at today. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. It says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure than lovers of God, having an appearance of godliness, but deny its power, avoid such people. That's not going on today, is it? That's only, that's only a, you know, 2,000 year ago issue. No, it's an issue today because it's an issue of the heart. But Paul was telling Timothy, listen, you have to hold on to truth in a culture of ungodliness. Church, 1010, you have to hold on to God's truth in an age, in a culture of ungodliness. I have to do that too. Because you saw all these things that are going to come at him as a person, but also it's going to come at the church. He's saying that, listen, you're, don't be surprised if people live like this who are within the church as well. So hold on to the truth that you've been given. So let's go. We're going to look at verses 14 and 15 here to begin. And let's look at verse 14. It says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying to Timothy, he says, continue in God's word. And when you continue to follow that, don't follow what the world is doing. (laughs) Um, My parents used to ask me, hey, if your friends jumped off a bridge, would you do it too? Well, maybe. You know, okay, how would that work? Okay, but, but the point here is, is it's not only hold on to God's word, Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, put it into practice. Timothy was a young leader in the church. 
And he's saying, listen, as you learn more and more of God's word, your convictions are gonna grow, Timothy. You're gonna know where you stand on things, Timothy. You're going to know how to combat the things that are heretical, Timothy. Heretical simply means that it's, it's not truth about God. Are you with me? And so this is what he's telling him to do because even throughout First and Second Timothy, Timothy gets to a point where he has a hard time doing what he's doing. He has a hard time believing that Paul knew what his best interest was. But he's saying, here's what's of most important. Live out what you believe. How are you going to do that? You got to follow the model. You have to follow the model. And not only that, here's the thing. Paul was a living example to Timothy and encouraged him how to do it. Have you ever been told to do something without being given an example? Frustrating. Or again, back to the call center. Oh, this will be easy, Mr. Hill. Are you sure? Because the last time I talked to you, we were there a long time. Are you with me? And so this is important because Timothy learned the scriptures from his grandmother and his mother. And in the Jewish culture, for a child to know the scriptures was the greatest blessing they could ever have. Isn't that beautiful? Because that, that, that was so important for that culture, not just to know the word, but to know the word. And as scripture became a revelation to Timothy, it enlightened him. Not in a weird way, but it, it was revelation that God was giving to him. Not the weird, hokey way. What I'm saying is God revealed himself to Timothy. And the more that God revealed himself to Timothy, the more Timothy said, I want to be more Christ-like. And in order to do that, I have to follow the model. Because what Paul was telling Timothy is that salvation points to Jesus through God's word, Timothy. The sacred writings. He said, not in tradition, but what is holy. Are you with me? That's important for you and I to know. So when it comes to following the model, we, want it, we see here in these first two verses that God's word brings revelation. God's word brings revelation. That's important for you and I. God will reveal himself to you through his word. I've had those times of, well, what do I do? Or what does really God say about this? And he reveals it to me. That doesn't mean you can't have that. You may go, I haven't had that. But it's coming with an open mind and the right heart motive. Because sometimes we'll go to scripture trying to pull something out that meets our agenda. And God says, no, you come to me with a pure heart. You come to me. It's like sometimes when we read scripture, it's like, you know, um, God wills X, Y, and Z. Well, I'm supposed to have that. No, if it's God's will, he'll allow that. Because then you just made it about you because you are trying to twist God's arm to do what you want him to do. And what we need to remember when God's word brings revelation is that God's word is greater than your truth. God's word is greater than my truth. And when it comes to God's word alone, we hold on to God's truth, not ours. Um, I want to validate. We have emotion. We have feelings. We have bents, don't we? But that, I want to validate that. But what I'm saying is what is true? And God's word is what's true. And that's how our faith is deepened. That's how our faith grows in him. We learned in faith alone 
in Romans 10, 17, it says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. When we go to scripture alone, we hit the first hearing, we say, I'm reading it. The second hearing says, now I get it. And what do I do with it? So the question really is, when it comes to God brings revelation through his word, is what has God been saying to you lately? And as we said earlier, well, I haven't heard much lately. Well, what's the last thing he told you? What's the last thing he called you to do? What's the last thing that he said, listen, you need to stop this? Or what's the last thing he said, now it's time to change this? What is it that God has revealed to you through his word? And it comes through studying the word of God is the way that he will be able to help us. You may go, well, I don't have time and X, Y, or I don't have the big fancy books and all that. That's not what we're saying. Sometimes we just need to go a little deeper. Just like those churchgoers in the survey, it's like we love the surface, but then we miss out on the depth that he has for us. We only see it for what it, I just want to, just, just give me the pictures. I'll see them and now I got it. And then six hours later, we just want surface sometimes. And God is saying, I'll reveal myself to you more and more and more. And if you need those resources, just reach out to me. I know Mike will probably have those resources. They're online. There's all kinds of places. But what we believe about what God says is how we'll live out our faith. That's what we're going to be touching on in the war within. What we believe is how we'll behave. So we want to understand that when we get into his word, it's our faith that seeks understanding. So God's word brings revelation. Let's continue in verses 15, excuse me, 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I thought that fascinating when Paul wrote that to Timothy because it's the complete opposite of what he said in verses one through five. Like this is what culture is doing. And then if you do this, if you hold on to truth, if you follow the model and you put it into practice, this is what God's word can do for you. That's what he can do for me. That's what's so beautiful about it. Paul, he, Paul again, is reminding Timothy of the importance of sola scriptura. And due to Timothy's present and his future ministry that's gonna happen, he has to hold on to what did I learn before? What is it about these sacred writings that are so important because it's just not what he knew about scripture. Are you with me? Because I may know something about someone, but I may not know that person. It's like being asked, hey, do you know so-and-so? Well, I know about so-and-so on TV or I know about so-and-so in the news or in the Twitterverse, whatever it may be. But if that, if they were to be asked, do you know that Jeff Hill, who? big difference knowing about and knowing you see at that day and time the timothy would have had the what we call the old testament and what the jewish uh it's the tanakh and they had some new testament writings so timothy had some sacred writings that he knew and that paul was reminding him to hold on to god's word timothy is inspired by god it's his authoritative word. Not only is it authoritative and not only is it inspired, but it is, it is God's very heart. Remember, it was all about redemptive history. Genesis began with he created humankind and humankind said, we can play God. 
And that didn't work out quick. (laughs) That ended abruptly. But then at that moment that God said, the plan of redemption is going into action. He said, I'm going to bring a Messiah. And then throughout history in the Old Testament, you see the different Christ types that are played out. You see that God created a nation, that God created a people for himself. And then all of a sudden the people said, well, we want to be God. And then God said, go and do your thing. And, And I'm still God. I'm still faithful. And he was always rescuing him. You with me? And then all of a sudden, then there's prophets who are saying, there's going to come a day, Messiah's coming, Messiah's coming, Messiah's coming. And then there was silence for 400 years. And then all of a sudden, we look at the gospel of Matthew, and this baby is born in a cave, pretty much, with animals. And they were saying, the angels were saying in in Luke chapter 2, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace and goodwill on whom God's favor rests. Jesus came so that we could have this again, so that we could do this with one another. And then the gospels go on to the history of the, or the acts. And then, then I'm getting excited here because this is all redemptive history. And then after Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And then those, those apostles who were once disciples, the apostles said, we're going to go preach the gospel everywhere. And then Paul writes most of the new Testament in his epistles. And then we get to the end, the end of all things. And for some of us, we may read the book of Revelation and be scared half to death, but I am so excited. I can't wait. I cannot wait for the return of the king. Redemptive history. It's not just ink on paper. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.21, it says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they carried, were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It's God's act of breathing and man's act of writing that go together. Are you with me? Because in our culture today, even in our church culture, there are people who will say, well, I got this word and I got this and that. No, what does God say? If you're going to add anything else to scripture, you might as well just toss it. Nothing can be added and nothing can be taken away. What God has is what God has is what he's given us. And so we have to be careful. That's why we need to be in the word. <laughs> we need to understand. And, and, you know, it's like their spidey senses go up when we hear something. That just doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make sense. And it's not here to condemn us today, but it's to warn us that there are going to be wolves in sheep's clothing, even within the body of Christ. And so we have to, to pray against that. We have to, to be smart about it. Is that making sense? Because when, if, if God's word is inspired, here's what Paul says to Timothy. Here's the benefits. He says teaching is a benefit of God's inspired word. It's, it, what Paul's saying is listening to the word of God. It's listening to God, you taking time with him, and then you taking time with one another. That's why our life groups are so important. That's why our discipleship groups are so important, so that we can take time in the word of God and then say, here's how God has spoke to me. Or here, hey, this is what I think. Well, is that what you think, or is this what God said? And then we can challenge one another, encourage one another, build each other up. That's why that is so important, teaching. Paul says reproof. In other words, calling sin out for what it is. Too often we like to be fluff about it. Oh, well, you know, my bad. Or, you know, well, they continue to go down that path of destruction, but we're not going to say anything. No, that's not what the church is for. That's why God's word wasn't written so we can just high five and have a good time and then go on our way. That's not what he's saying. And, and it's not only calling out sin, but it's calling out ungodly living. 
God's word in Matthew chapter 18 speaks on how to handle that in the church. So you see, God isn't confusing. He's made it very clear for his people. Not only that, correction. God's word teaches us how to live his way. We said last week, he's not an egomaniac. He's, he, he, Paul Tripp said it in the, in the, the life group faith study we're going to do. He said, God is most concerned with the success of his glory because that's who he is. And the weight of that is heavy. And the responsibility that we have to make his glory known and famous. So he teaches us how to live. And finally, training in righteousness. What Paul is saying here is he's like, Timothy, what I'm saying to you is that God's word will teach you how to live right as a believer. We are made right. We are justified by faith. We are made right with God that way. But righteousness in this context says, how do you live as a believer in a culture that's gone crazy? And he's saying, just like it was then, it is today. But finally, here's the thing. There's a lot of stuff there. But, but what Paul says to Timothy, he says, here's the deal. God's word also gives people hope. That's what I love about it. Romans 15, 4 says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. That's why it's important for us here at 1010. We say there is hope. Not just in, you know, that certain team here that plays on Sundays, you know, who I'm talking about, that we get all hype about and everything, and, well, sea eagles. Well, why don't we get hype about the things of God, too? There's nothing wrong with football. I love football. I love hockey. I love to do those things. But what about the word of God speaking to us and we miss it? That's what the gospel is all about, folks. It's about God's redemptive history according to scripture alone. And that's what is important for us. I remember one of my former students um, who literally read the book of Revelation and realized he did not have a relationship with God the way that he thought he did. I'm thinking, Revelation, are you serious? But he did. But that's the gospel. That's the good news in redemptive history. Isn't that beautiful? And so what Paul is, is, is communicating to Timothy is simply this. He's, he's letting him know, listen, you as a leader, commit to God over everything else. Commit to your heavenly father. So for you and I, really, what's the point? What's the point of reading God's word? Because Paul said, here's the deal, so that you and I may be complete. Oh, wait, wait, you, you mean complete? In other words, to equip you to do all that God has called you to do. Isn't that beautiful? So, so what, what are we saying? We're saying that God did not give us his word to pique our curiosity. He didn't do that. Here's what he did but to build us up spiritually. Remember, we're complete in Christ through salvation. But he's saying in this world, as you're growing and you're, and you're moving and you're doing and you're becoming more like my son, this is now it's time to equip you to do what I've called you to do. And every good work for a follower of Christ is our ultimate goal. Every good work. Because I don't do every good work. 
There are times when I ignore people when I'm walking in Norristown, or there's times where I'm like, you know what? I got better things to do, like watch TV instead of making that phone call. Are you with me? And so, so what, what Paul is saying, Timothy, just take that first step. Follow the model. Paul even said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he said, follow my example as I follow Christ. Got to follow the model. So God's word not only gives revelation, but it also gives direction. And anything that you and I have ever begun requires instruction, doesn't it? Driving, you need an instruction. Riding your bike for the first time, instruction. Putting together, like, you know, I remember getting the PlayStation 1 back in the day. I needed instructions. I followed them because I wanted to play right away. But here's the point is that everything that we begin will always inquire, uh, excuse me, require instruction. And you and I will never know what God wants us to do. We'll never know where God wants us to go if we don't ever listen to what God has to say. We just won't. And when we do that, when we make that decision to do that, what do we do? We follow the model. We follow the model. So how are you allowing God to pour into your life? How are you letting God pour into your life? And and let me challenge you here with this question. How are you pouring into someone else's? Because a lot of times we want it for us, don't we? I love enjoying my time with, I have a mentor over almost 13 years now, and we meet consistently. And he's pouring into my life. But I remember he told me, now it's your time to go pour into others. Ooh, wait a minute. I really benefited from this. But who are you pouring into? And so if, if God's word brings instruction, here's the thing. We don't need more behavior modification. We need more spiritual transformation. That's what we need. I need it. I need it. Because that can happen when we allow God's word to guide us, when we follow the model. And so I want to leave you with two words today when we talk about following the model in the everyday of our lives. And the first word is simply this, receive. Receive. We want to accept that what God has to say to us is true. Doesn't mean you won't be confused at time. Doesn't mean you'll have doubts or questions. But we, we come to a place where we accept that what he says is true. Because if God's word was true then, as Paul told Timothy, God's word is true today. And listen, it's okay if it doesn't make sense. Why did this person beget this person that beget this person that beget this person? Why did God say, set up the system like this and you have to do sacrifices for this and then all of a sudden you got to do this and like, hey, you know, Jesus even said, hey, it's better to tie a millstone around your, your neck and be thrown in it. What? But we receive it as truth. And it's, for me, I know over the years, it's been, God, will you give me fresh eyes to see what you have to tell me today? I used to tell this all the time, and I'll tell you too, this is free. David will always kill Goliath. Always. Samuel will always say, were you speaking to me, Eli? Hannah will always dedicate her son. Are you with me? It will always be the same, but God, what are you trying to tell me? There's an exercise. Whatever scripture you pick, you could read it every day and God could speak to you in a different way every single time. We could do this same scripture next Sunday and God could speak to us differently. 
So we want to receive God's word as truth. And when you receive his word as truth, you will not read the Bible through the lens of your circumstances, your biases, your experiences, but you will read his word through the eyes of humility. Because when we come and approach his word, it's not, what have you done for me lately? It's, God, will you show me how to follow your model? And you receive that. The second is this, is that you respond. So not only do you receive, but you respond. And here's how you and I respond. I've shared this before, but I'll share it again by defining your terms. Every one of us needs to define our terms because the more you're in God's word, the more you're aware of what is true and what is not true. Let me give you an example. There are many people who believe this statement, God helps those who help themselves. Did you know that's a a quote Benjamin Franklin quoted from the poor man's almanac? That's not from the Bible. (laughs) The Bible says this in Proverbs 28, 26, it says, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. And yet one in eight Americans believe that statement is biblical and it's true. So we got to respond by defining our terms. You respond to God's word by allowing him to equip you to what he called you to do. But it all begins with following the model. His word is our model. His word is our example. And as we close today, if you think about it, the reliability and the truthfulness of scripture has come into question. And you're going to hear things that sound right, that sound biblical, that sound true. But it is, it is, is it the model that you are putting it to the test by? In other words, the word of God is our template. And so our lives are like this. And so the template comes here. So my life is going to go by what God's word says. And too often we do this. And again, I'm not saying that your experiences aren't real, your biases aren't real, your prejudice, whatever it may be, but it's to say this. Because when we say this, then God can change this. This, not this. And too often that's what we want. We want to be our own gods. We want to be able to dictate our history. We want to be able to tell God how we're going to play things out. And yet he says, it's got to be this way. You've got to follow the model. Because I know when our kids were growing up, and when we adopted and, and fostered, we would ask, how do I be the best parent? Or maybe you're asking, what are my next steps in life? You may be saying, how can I have better use of my finances? How can I be a godly parent? person? How can I be a godly spouse? How can I be a godly parent? How do I deal with my past, my present, my future? And what is it about God's word that keeps me away? I want to challenge you this afternoon to go to God's word and see what he says. Because the truth is, God is unchanging. And because he's unchanging, sola scriptura will never change. You got to follow the model. Not only that, the world around us is always changing. Got to follow the model. 
And before you form any opinions, make any rash decisions, or do what you feel is good and what you think is best, follow the model. Hold on to God's truth. Let your faith seek understanding and allow God's words to you be the loudest voice in your life. But we got to do what? Follow the model. I'm going to have Mike come and pray for us as we close out this time together and be encouraged to know that God didn't ask you to have it all together and all right. He just said, come to me and my words alone will get you through this life until the day that I return. Mike. Father, we thank you so much uh, just for your word and um, for us allowing to go, go through it. And we thank you um, that we uh, can have your word. And we're asking that you help us to um, just be able to to uh, do what it says and um, to hunger after it and want it uh, more than anything that we want uh, in, in our lives. Uh, and help us to uh, not be those who have itching ears uh, who go after false teaching, but go after uh, sound doctrine, go after sound teaching, um, and eat it up, uh, and, and don't want it so much in our lives, but to 